Now, I will tell you that there are two sea monsters. One is called the Hvgulfa sea mist. The other is Lingbucker, heatherback. It is the Lingbucker is the largest whale in the world, but the Hvgulfa is the largest monster in the sea. It is the nature of this creature to swallow men and ships and even whales and everything else within reach. It stays submerged for days, then rears its head and nostrils above the surface and stays that way at least until the change of tide. Now, now that we surround and that we sound we just sailed through was the space between its jaws and its nostrils and lower jaw were those rocks that appeared in the sea. While the Lindbacher was the island we saw sinking down, however, Ogwen Tusuk has sent these creatures to you by means of his magic to cause the death of you and all your men. He thought more men would have gone the same way as those who had already drowned to the Lindbacher, which wasn't an island, and sank. And he expected that the Helfgulfa would have swallowed us all. Today I sailed through its mouth because I knew that it had recently surfaced. So as a legendary monster of gigantic size and cephalopod-like appearance, the Kraken is a Scandinavian folklore. So according to the Norse sagas, the Kraken dwells off the coasts of Norway and Greenland and goes after the nearby sailors. So according to Wikipedia, the Kraken is between 40 and 50 feet in length, and it is attributed to being an ocean-dwelling monster. Now, it's been shown in numerous fictional works, of course. Um, it's normally to do with tales of sailors passing in North Atlantic and especially sailors from the Nordic countries. So, basically, it's become a superstition among sailors in the area. So, the English word kraken is taken from the modern Scandinavian languages, According to Old Norse word kraki, in both Norwegian and Swedish, kraken is a definite form of crake, a word designating an unhealthy animal or something twisted. In modern German, crake, plural and oblique cases of the singular kraken, means octopus, but can also refer to the legendary kraken that we know of. So it is also known in Old Norwegian word for octopus and an old euphemism for, in Swedish for whales. Now, it actually became a word that was considered to be taboo because of the fact that it could bring upon this kraken monster. Since the late 18th century, it's been shown in many different ways but basically what it is is a giant like octopus creature and um it's usually something that is something that goes after sailors it has giant spikes on its little suction cups things that it has its little suckers and in the earliest cases the creatures were more actually crab-like than octopus and they usually had traits that were associated with large whales instead of the giant squids, which I think is really cool. Now, during the Triassic period, they believe some people that it was a kraken that was responsible for the death of the Istiosaurus, which I think is really interesting.
So it was first mentioned in the Orvar Order, a 13th century Icelandic saga involving two sea monsters, which I just read to you at the beginning of this episode, the Hilfgulfa sea mist and the Lindbucker heatherback. So the Hilfgulfa was obviously believed to be the Kraken. Now, Around 1250, there was a report that documented in Norwegian, there was um, a scientific writing called Kunung's Skuldza, you know, butchering it, by an anonymous author. And it was said that only two existed because they couldn't reproduce because they would literally need so much food. It was impossible, basically. So... Let's see here. So that's why they would basically, um, they would emit really strong scents when it wanted to feed because it kind of lean itself out and then suck things in, (laughs) weirdly enough. So it was also mentioned in the first edition of Systema Naturae in 1735, which is a taxonomic classification of living organisms by a botanist in Sweden and a zoologist called Krololus Linaus, and he classified the kraken as a cephalopod. So even though some people omitted it, like it was actually omitted in later editions, that was something that was there originally, which I think was really cool. So we go by at first the accounts of the different fishermen. So people like Eric Ponto. Haydn, terrible, but he was a Danish historian. Um, he did he did a big detail of what it actually looked like in his sort of his works, his writings of natural history of Norway in 1755. He said it was round, flat, and full of arms or branches. And um, there is apparently other people who had actually seen him as well. Now, most people think that it's supposed to do with the species of squid or octopus, but the animals weren't, like I said, believed to actually be like that in the beginning. They were more crab-like, so that kind of leaves it sort of all over the place in a sense. So they do think that it's possible that a gigantic squid could live in Antarctica, but not Scandinavia. Now, they have done sort of an idea of what they think the most likely case is to be because it would have to lie at the bottom of the sea in search for fish, right? So, let's see. Some folklorists think the creature was a sea mischief, which makes sense. And obviously, they go with that. With the big tentacles, you know, going after people, they create a whirlpool and, you know, cause lots of issues either for fish or as well as for sailors, Now, let's see here. They do think that the smell, when it smells of feces, it's actually because it belches out and then brings the food back in, which is really gross, but fascinating. (laughs) Obviously, because it is considered a myth, it is rarely seen by humans, and it does tend to lie at the bottom of the sea. But it will come up out of the ocean and appear like um like an island, so to speak. All right, and there was one more thing I wanted to talk about too with this. So 
there is, this is what else is said about this. So, um, Lawrence M. Larson wrote, nor can I speak conclusively, speak about its length in L's because of the time he has shown before men. He has appeared more like land than like a fish. Neither have I heard that one has been caught or found dead. It seems to me that as though there might be, or that there must be no more than two in the ocean. I deem that each is unable to reproduce itself, for I believe that they are always the same ones. Then, too, neither would it do for the other. They are always the same ones. So, if the Hithgulfa were of such a number as other whales, for instance, where there is more, um, there would be such a number of them that it would be impossible for them all to eat so they don't reproduce. Now, it stretches up its neck with a great belching, and following this belching comes forth much food, so that all kinds of fish that are near to hand will come to the present location that will gather together, both small and large, believing that it shall obtain their food. But this is actually a way that the kraken brings the food to themselves, right? So they just open up their mouth, and the fish go right in. And it's basically said that the same thing happens... Um, with people as well. It comes up out of the water like a giant landmass in a sense, and the people literally bring their boats or whatever right into the Kraken's mouth. So the story that I read to you in the beginning or the little poem, it was the 13th century version of the old Icelandic saga over order, and it is inserted episode of a journey bound for Helund, Baffin Island, which is in Canada, which takes their protagonist through the Greenland Sea. And here they spot two massive sea monsters, which we had said were the Hufgulfa Sea Mist and the Limbok or the Heatherback. And that, my dears, is your mythological creature, the Kraken. And a lot of people have, like, huge fear of this. And I can understand, you know, there being a little bit of nervousness because there's a lot of superstition among sailors, but, and they're the ones actually on the water, but there are people, everyday people who are not out in the ocean, they're not driving around in the water, who are absolutely terrified and have nightmares of this animal. Video games have brought them forth because they know how scary they are to people. And I find it really fascinating. And then you see things like sea dragons and other things that really scare people coming out of that myth. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to me the psychological response that people have to it. But definitely check out the blog, mycrazysynchronicities.wordpress.com. It's in the bio. And you can check out the reading or the description for Pisces and the planets and mythologies associated behind that zodiac sign. So we are now officially on the 12th sign of the zodiac. So next month, we will be starting with the very first one of the year. And that is Aries, the cardinal fire sign. All right, guys, have a good one.